If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. Man, I couldn't get it changed in time for the guy that's sitting next to me. It's not Trey Van Buskirk this weekend. We got something even better. And for those of you that are not watching the live stream, you haven't been following us on social media and you're living under a freaking rock, I've got a huge intro for the man sitting. This is going to be to my, supposedly to my left here on the screen for you guys. I'm so excited. This guy burst onto the scene in 2011. The first card we saw him, Melvin Gillard versus Jim Miller, if I'm not mistaken, uh, showed himself to be a confident walk-in fast-talking, smooth wordsmith with a penchant for pronunciation. And you would be mistaken if you thought that this man wasn't going to make shockwaves once he hit the UFC roster. Throughout his time with the UFC, he has garnered many hats and worn many titles. He is a man that needs really no introduction, but I've got a couple for him. I refer to him as the Sultan of Superlatives, the Rasputin of Rhymes, the Genghis Khan of Grammar. My man is the Bonaparte of Broadcasting. His brother, you know... His brother just probably calls him John. His friends call him J.A. I call him Sir. Everybody else knows him as John Anik. John Anik, thank you so much for coming on the show. Dale, you're about to earn your own segment on my podcast if you're not careful. (laughs) I mean, when when I first hopped into the room tonight, I was like, I could listen to this dude's voice all day. So, Ray Longo, your seat is getting hotter by the minute, but it's great to be with you. Uh, I know we coordinated this a few weeks ago, and, uh, you know, you got a seat open tonight, so I'm happy to step in and – you know, I'll try. This is a well-oiled machine if the show open is any indication. So I'm just going to try not to get in the way and uh, try not to cuss because I understand that we have some young fans and uh, we appreciate that. You guys got a new fan in me after that open. I'll tell you that. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. If we're going to do anything, we're going to do it right, right? Anything worth doing is worth doing right. We're not there here to half, we're not here to half at any at anything. So I appreciate you coming on. It was a pretty unorthodox method to get you on, to be honest. We kind of went with a little guerrilla marketing campaign yeah. for those who are uninitiated. Yeah. Um, how this whole thing came to be is Trey Van Buskirk, who's normally seated where you are, my co-host in crime. He decided he was going to go on vacation post-COVID, taking him and the family to Hawaii and decided he was going to leave me high and dry for what's <laughs> arguably the biggest card of the year. Right. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to replace you the whole time you're gone. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to replace you. And he said, you can't replace me. I'm irreplaceable. I said, not only will I replace you, I'm going to get I'm going to get John Anik. And he said, there's no way you'll get John Anik. So. Oh man! Here we are. We're you sitting right here, and we're going to go over the probably the biggest card of 2021. I know it's early, but this is how I feel. Well, I love it, and I'm excited. And it was an unorthodox approach. And in a perfect world, I would find all of the shows like yours because I have done <laughs> hundreds of of media interviews and podcast hits, and uh, I try to be an equal opportunist, you know. But obviously, the way you guys went about it was creative, and you have a following and a fan base, and I appreciate that. And uh, I, you know, Hey, it's an opportunity to fill in. Right. I mean, right. you never know. Uh, but I am thankful that we were connected and, uh, I'm excited to talk about some of these fights. I'm not so excited about what's in front of me over the like next 48 hours, because <laughs> as we were talking off the air, 30 sure. fighters, six in a championship capacity, uh, it, it's a lot. So, uh, we are, we are in it obviously coming off the back to back with Rosenstrike and Ciro gone. And, uh, you know, hopefully this helps my preparation Dale. I'm going to try my absolute best. <laughs> and it's funny you say that about filling a seat because I want to tell you two quick stories real quick. 
So the first interview I ever did with anybody UFC related was none other than your co-host on your show, the Anakin Florian podcast. No, no other than Ken Flo himself was the that? first man, humble enough, gracious enough with his time. Uh, I had another podcast that was solely dedicated to sports betting. And Ken Flo came on and broke down a UFC card with me, gave me about 45 minutes of his time when I was like recording podcasts on my iPhone, man. I had no idea what I was doing. And Ken Flo was the very first one to give me an, any uh, like inkling of time. So I was, you know, I'm always grateful to Ken Flo for at least, you know, being that first one, if you will. So that's you know. pretty cool. How long ago was that? If you don't mind my asking, because uh, <sighs> Ken Flo might be tough to tough to track down these days. You know, it was about two keep- it was about two years ago. It was about right. two years ago. I had a show yeah. at the time called Fistful of Cash. I was doing it with my brother, and he couldn't All make right. an episode. So I was like, I'm going to get somebody else. I I'm, I refused. I mean, I'll do a show by myself, but it's always fun when you got somebody on the other end. It's interesting that you say that because part of the reason I got not desensitized, but I lost a little bit of my appetite for national radio when I was at ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut, because that's the route they were going. Solo mm-hmm. acts. I don't want to show up and host game night by myself for three or four hours. You know, I get sick of of hearing myself. I have an identical twin. So I I didn't love doing solo shows. I had to do some of them, but I much prefer dialogue than monologue every day of the week for sure. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy it much more, which brought me to the next por- portion of that. Listening to your show at that time, you were doing this thing with the main event challenge where you were bringing in random experts, handicappers or whatever. And I tried and I tried and I sent the emails and I did the whole thing and could not get on the show. Could not show. Did. All right. Could so, not get yes, on. I mean, there was a time where we had about 250 people sure. in the queue and with 40 shows. But you just earned a slot. I mean, Dale, pick pick your live event. I mean, okay. do you want a pay-per-view, Dale? I would love just a pay-per-view. I would right. love a pay-per-view. All right. So, uh, all right. We'll do UFC 261. We'll have Perfect. you on the Anakin Florian podcast. You and Ken Flo go head-to-head. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Absolutely. And candidly, I love the handicappers that we have now. Ian Parker, chief among them. And, sure. and Yanni the Greek and Nick Kalikas and some other people are going to be on. But I do – Look forward to a day when we open it up a little bit to bring on some listeners because uh, I don't think there are many on your level, Dale, necessarily, but I do think there are a lot of people out there that listen to the show that liked that component to the show right. that we could bring on a listener that would could give you nothing or sure. we could bring on somebody that could be as informed as somebody like yourself or seemingly. So uh, we, we could get back to that, but we'll have you on for UFC 261. Book it. You just, you just made my freaking year on top of this. So that that so that that brings me to what happened is so once you put Ian Parker in that in that slot, I had I had no idea who he was outside of the occasional guest spot on your show. So admittedly, I looked him up on Instagram and I slid into his DMs and I was kind of like, hey, my man, you really kind of took you know I hit him with a with a Nate Diaz situation like, hey man, you you took everything I've been working for. I've right. been trying to get in this spot and you took this from me. But you know that was kind of it, it was all in good fun. Ian and I. Uh, exchange messages from time to time. I like to bounce ideas off of pl- uh, plays off of him and back and back and forth. So Ian's good people as well. So I'm I'm excited that uh, he's uh, he's a good salesman. Uh, we both live down here in South Florida, and obviously he brings a lot to the table. But uh, yeah, good sales pitch. He wanted that seat for every show, and he has it for most of them. But he just <laughs> lost it for UFC 261, so it hasn't been a great night for Ian Parker. Thus oh, far. he's gonna say, he's gonna shoot me a message for sure and be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> He's going to be so happy that we dropped his name six times. Right. Yeah, that that that's a good thing as well. So uh, before we get too far into the show, I know that, you know, one of your broadcast partners per se, John Gooden, is a vegetarian. Let me ask you this. Are you a vegetarian? I have no idea what your not, dietary habits are. I am not a vegetarian. I mean, I don't eat a lot of red meat, sure. but uh, I'm not a vegetarian. There could be a time in my life when I go more vegan. I don't eat a lot of dairy, you know. Right. 
But uh, I try to run off a bad diet as best I can. It doesn't gotcha. work out all that well show to show. But. Big on fish, steelhead, salmon, anything like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fish and chicken and uh, a lot of that. And uh, it's. I think the toughest thing for me is, you know, a lot of uh, all-nighters and being away 100 nights a year. Right. A lot of flying, a lot of inconsistency. Um, too many chicken nuggets off my daughter's plate. You know how it goes. Gotcha. Well, one thing that we need to do once we're done here today, we got to get you hooked up with some of the best meat that, that I've ever had personally. It's brought to us by our show sponsor, Stay Classy Meats. They're a direct ranch to table operation out of Montana. They source the cleanest meat on the planet Earth, process the animal on, on site, and then send it directly to your door. It gets no fresher, no better than what they're doing there at Stay Classy Meats. So shout out to them. Use promo code FIST. You can save 10% on the entire thing, but we'll get you something at a much more discounted rate than that <laughs> um i like your shirt you saw the proofs of the shirt we made you it's it's hitting the press today so we're going to be sending one your way um did you guys just you, this is like uh total all access all systems go every you know t crossed i love it no i love it man i i can't wait i'll rock it i'll i'll wear it loud and proud on the anakin florian podcast maybe even for uh for that UFC 261 episode. Oh my gosh. So yeah, yours is custom. So we did an, we did a custom athlete tee last year for every athlete that came on the show. We sent them one, but this year we're doing the same thing, but we made a custom one for you. And I, I don't know if you saw it on the proof or not. It's got your initials on the sleeve and then it's got a giant mustache as well. So it'll be right there for you to rock. And that was brought to us really by our friends over at Allegiance Clothing. They made that happen. We reached out to them. They said, heck yeah, we want to get John Anakin an Allegiance shirt. So they hooked that up. Um, absolutely fantastic American company. Uh, use promo code punch. You can save 15% on the entire thing. All right, enough bill pay. Let's get into this thing, man. I'm so Let's excited. Go, so normally what we do on this show is we start and we do the main card and then we'll go back through and we'll work our way through the prelims. The main card is just so stacked. I feel like we're probably just going to spend the, the bulk right. of our time right, right here. Um, and I let me ask you this real quick. Are you one of those guys, a lot of fighters that I talk to, the week of the fight, they just want to talk about the fight. They're like, I got something huge on Saturday night. I, this is all I want to talk about. Don't ask me silly, goofy stuff. I just want to talk about what's right in front of me. Do you hone in like that or... When do you really put the game face on? Well, there's really not much time for anything else, right? It's not like I'm bringing an iPad with me to Vegas this weekend, right? Every mm. hour that I have would be devoted to the broadcast. Now, if I didn't have three kids mm. in a back-to-back -back situation right, like I'm in right now, I may show up to Las Vegas in a totally different place in terms of my prep if I didn't have three kids to care for when sure. I'm home, right? So I'm a little bit behind the eight ball as I sit here talking to you Tuesday night. Um, but for me, it's like when my twin brother calls me and wants to talk out of Sonia on a Friday, it's like, <laughs> bro, I love you, but like, I gotta go. Right. You know? So it can be a little bit consuming and certain weeks there ends up being a lot of media. Like when Connor fights, it's, it's a whirlwind. Some of it's like an out of body experience because you become uh, a talking head and uh, you get asked the same questions and you become repetitive. But I'm excited, man. I mean, there's just nothing like this sport. There's nothing like seeing it live. There's nothing like a UFC title fight. We have friggin' three of them. Uh, in addition to, I think, I don't know, do the math, 12 others. So it's sure. uh, it's an exciting time and uh, can't wait to get back to Vegas on Thursday, my man. I'm excited. I'm excited. I said main card, but it would, I would be remiss if we didn't start out with that featured prelim. I mean, we're talking about Dom Cruz versus Casey Kenny here. This is absolutely fantastic. And honestly, what surprised me most about this fight is Dom opening up as an underdog. But the more I start to think about it and the more I've watched film on Casey Kenny versus where 
I guess you would say maybe the the current momentum that Dominic Cruz has. I feel like this is probably pretty accurately priced. Casey Kenny coming in at a minus one thirty five, Cruz at a plus one fifteen. Over under on rounds here is what's interesting to me is at two and a half, which I really like. Um, and what's the price on that? Is it minus one fifteen both ways, something like that? Or? I believe so. Yeah. I can look. I can look that up for no, you. No, I mean I, that's interesting. What's interesting for me about Dom is that he. He's probably my closest friend amongst my broadcast partners because sure. we've been working together the longest. I think other than Brian Stan, he's the guy that I spend the most time with on the road. Sure. So I have a pretty intimate knowledge into him. I agree with your assessment of the price. I do think Casey Kenny deserves the distinction as a as a favorite, albeit slightly as he's priced right now. I think there are just more knowns with Casey Kenny. Right? right. I think you more know what you're going to get with Dominic Cruz. I can sit here and tell you that he got the requisite sparring rounds in this time, which I think is key to his success. But is his speed still there? What version of Dominic Cruz are we going to see on Saturday? Night? Sure. Now, as his friend, of course, I hope it's it's a championship level one. Sure. But I just don't. There are unknowns and uh, a lot of questions for Dom to answer. In my yeah, opinion. that under two and a half is coming in at plus 200. And l- let me say something real quick. Part of the reason why of, you know, on top of just the prowess and, and the aura that you carry on the broad broadcast table, why we wanted to have you on is that by and large, you're the only person in the UFC, at least for my money outside of maybe Dana White himself, which I don't think we're going to get Dana just yet. That gives a hoot at all about betting. You're the only person that really acknowledges or even understands it. And you bring that to light during the broadcast, which is something that me and I'm sure our fans and other p- people out there that, you know, really actively pursue this Avenue of the sport engage in. So, you know, first of all, thank you for that. But second of all, it's nice to actually have somebody advocating on our behalf, you know, live on air. Well, I appreciate that, my man. I I feel like it's still underplayed across mainstream professional sports, obviously, in terms of the telecasts. I've been betting on sports almost every day since 1996. So when George Greenberg, former Fox executive, asked me to mention the odds on FS1 for every main card belt back in the day, I was like, I could do that for you, sir. Make that happen. I'll mention the odds. You know, I mentioned the odds in my sleep. I could have six beers. I'll get the odds right. Maybe right. everything else will slip. So it's in my wheelhouse, obviously. But those who aren't looking at it as another lens through which to look at these fights, whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, then you're just either ignorant or um, – not open-minded, right? Because for me, uh, I'm not a lifelong martial artist and I feel like I know the game pretty well at this point, having called my first major fight in 2009, but there's still a lot for me to learn. And certainly when odds makers and bettors keep Casey Kenny entrenched as a favorite, despite all these sharps saying back up the Brinks truck for Dominic Cruz, gives you a lot to think about. So people who aren't thinking about it, they're lost, my friend. They're lost. Here's something I've been pondering because the apex cage obviously is smaller. I don't have to tell you that. You already know that we're working with a 25 footer as opposed to the 30. I've really, I said something, I said this on another show the other day, the apex has almost been like a sacrificial mound for the legends as of late, where I feel like people that are of the, the, the era of almost yesteryear, not that I want to put anybody out the pasture, far be it for me to tell somebody when they're done, but that, that old guard seems to really be having a hard time lately and having a difficult time in the apex in that 25 footer. That's really one of the things that I look at. There's no statistical analysis that I can, you know, put this on, but looking at Dom Cruz and seeing that I remember him fighting on fuel TV and access TV and all of these things. Yeah. I remember him fighting so long ago. And now here he is up against a young hung, hungry Casey Kenny. I think this might be a good opportunity to really make some money on Casey Kenny. 
that's just where I'm landing on this. But I think sure. this is really going to be a stylistic fight that is going to favor Kenny in his, I guess, bullish nature. He is very much a presence and a bully inside the octagon when he wants to be. And I don't necessarily know the strong suit of Dominic Cruz being his footwork and his timing. I don't know if he's going to be able to get that having to move so quickly and make those adjustments so rapidly in a 25 foot cage. Yeah. We just did not get anything really that, that you can hang your hat on in the Cruz fight against Cejudo. It was such a quick fight. And I also think too, for Dominic Cruz coming back from that four year layoff, Mm in Jacksonville, Florida, with no fans, with nasal swabs and everything else for COVID-19. Sure. It just was the, it couldn't have been any worse in terms of the backdrop. And uh, I I do believe Keith Peterson was a little bit premature in the stoppage, even though maybe Dom and I disagree with some of the post-fight stuff. So having said all of that, I do agree with your assessment of Casey Kenny. Dominic is such an intellectual that you do feel like he feels like this matchup is favorable. Otherwise, he wouldn't take it. Sure. He does see Casey Kenny as a fellow Tucson, Arizona guy, and I know it gives him great pleasure to give him the opportunity to fight a big name and former two-time Bantamweight champion. So there's a lot of different layers to it. Um, but sometimes you really don't know how they're going to be strength-wise against each other until they get in there. Poirier yeah. famously said, until I fight Khabib, I really have no idea how he's going to feel. And Dom is strong, you know, works judo and trips and throws and, sure. and wrestles constantly. So uh, as long as Dominic got through the training camp healthy, um, I'm excited to see what he can do. But I can understand why uh, why you see value on the more active uh, and more known quantity at this point, Casey Kenny. Sure, absolutely. All right, first fight on the main card, Tiago cool. Santos taking on Alexander Rockich. We got Tiago Santos at 21 and 8, Rockich at 13 and 2. Betting odds on this one a little. I don't necessarily know if, I, if I'm buying into these, but Rockich at a minus 155, Tiago Santos at a plus 135, over under on rounds is at one and a half. I really kind of, you know, fights like this, I tend to lean the under and then I'm just hoping for a finish because both of these big boys are going to go in there and they're going to swing for the fences. Um, I'm not overly convinced that Santos or Santos rather has made all of the strides necessary to go back to a 100% following the John Jones fight knee injuries and then the Glover to share a fight. I'd love to see him capitalize on that and capitalize on the momentum that was Yana Kunitskaya getting a huge win. There's no, again, another unquantifiable thing, but a house, a winning household similar to the Amanda Nunes, Nina Ansarov household. And we'll talk about Amanda here later on. That sort of winning mentality, that that becomes infectious. That becomes in, contagious. And a winning house like that, on top of coming from a great team like ATT, I think Tiago Santos is showing tremendous value here at plus 135. But I love the over-under on one and a half, too, at the under one and a half. I agree with a lot of that assessment. I know Ian Parker on our podcast this week was pretty bullish in terms of his opinion that Rockage uh, should be an even bigger favorite. I don't necessarily agree with that. And I do believe that you're onto something when it comes to Yana Kunitskaya and a winning household. People who are dismissive of that, uh, I, I think, are quick to be dismissive of that. And they should not be. I mean, that is a really big deal. They are very close and they have built each other up. And uh, I kind of felt like after Tiago Santos came back against Glover and didn't win that uh, he was going to be a tough guy to beat in his next fight. So I certainly think when you're getting Tiago Santos plus 145, plus 150 in some spots, I can understand why you see value on that side. And I do believe he's still a championship level fighter. I know a lot of cappers are going to look at the age first and say, all right, 37, 
major surgery. Um, but Tiago Santos, with his wealth of UFC experience, uh, I think de- deserves a little bit more respect from that. That being said, Rockets could be a future champ, but I kind of sure. lean your way on that one with the Brazilian. I like see one of the things I like about Santos and just going into the household thing that I'm talking about. If you look at any major, let's talk about Boston sports for a second, right? It's a culture of winning, right? If you look at the Patriots organization, you look at the Celtics, even the Bruins for a time period, it's a culture of winning and it becomes contagious and it's allowed, allows people to elevate their skill level. Even if it's not necessarily at an elite level, you rise to the level of those around you. I mean, that's what made, Every great premier, I mean, your boy Tom Brady just did the, just did it in That's Tampa. Right. He literally took, I don't want to call it a mediocre team, but he took a B, B minus, B plus team, and he made them Super Bowl champions. I mean, the man literally right. put them under his wings and just flew them to the promised land. It's a culture of winning. ATT, the winning house with Yana Kunitskaya. I, I love the idea of the mentality of Tiago and knowing he's an underdog, knowing his back's against the wall. My only concern the leg kicks of Rockic, and if he decides to make this a gritty, ugly fight with takedowns and pressing him up against the cage because he saw that Glover was able to do it, that's my only concern, my only reservation there. And the 25-footer is a great variable in mm-hmm. all of this because uh, I know I'm a little bit of a broken record when it comes <laughs> to this, and I know I'm on record as saying I enjoy the the pageantry of the 30-footer, especially for title fights. Sure. Um, but you come up on that fence quickly. So if yeah. you are somebody who wants to grapple, clinch, run clock, uh, you can certainly do it uh, in that 25-footer. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, what a fight to kick off the pay-per-view. And Kenny Florian, for the record, he feels like the way to bet this fight, to your point, forget picking a side. Just sit back and enjoy. Bet the under two and a half rounds if you can get a decent price and, and move on down I'm, the main card. And, you know. Who doesn't love cheering? Like it's like betting an over in college basketball or something like that. Nobody wants to cheer for an under. Bet the over and cheer well, right. for a high scoring right. game. Bet the inside the distance player fight doesn't go the distance and hope for a finish. Doesn't winner be damned. I gotta say, because I'm contractually prevented from betting on MMA, sure. you have to lean into the positives. Yep. And the positives are that for a fight like that, it's like, dude, I got no action. So I'm just like <laughs> watching Tiago Santos and, and Rockets because it's very rare that I would sit down to watch a sporting event and not have have action but obviously that's my reality in my my world with the ufc you know what i think it's a fair trade though for that job to not oh, be able, I, I mean yeah yeah what i mean whatever it takes you know what i well, mean i do wonder what you know when uh god willing it's on somewhat my own terms but uh you know when i retire that first mma bet i mean what is that Ooh, what is it gonna what's it gonna look like it'll be like conor mcgregor's kid versus somebody <laughs> else <It's> gonna, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got you got a ways to go you got a yeah. ways to go to be honest with you, and, and the chat and everybody that listens to our show is going to know this next fight is near and dear to our heart here at Punchless MMA. Islam Mahachev, or how do you, how, you know what? Why am I trying to sh- stumble through these names? You are the pronunciation king. Verify Actually, this. Well, you got it right enough, you know? Okay. I mean, the thing is, like, we can all nitpick, but basically, sure. you emphasize the right syllable and you, you okay. fucking nailed it, Dale. I'm sorry. I just, it's okay. Because I give Trey, I, I give Trey, Problem, all kinds of problems because he is awful at pronunciation. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. Islam Makachev. Makachev. So, okay, that's what I thought. All right, no. taking on Drew Dober at plus two eighty five. Uh, Islam is at a minus three fifty. Over under in rounds here is at two and a half. Drew Dober is a big friend of the show. Um, he essentially has an open seat whenever he wants to come on. He just hops in backstage and we just plug him in. He literally just does whatever he wants around here. Um, he's kind of okay. show royalty. So yeah. this this fight is near and dear to my heart. Um, 
the prudent side of me says you have to be wary of a man like Islam. However, the heart wants what the heart wants. And I think Dober has a legitimate shot at plus 285, one, for the value. And then two, just on a skill set alone and who he's training with and what he's doing. And we'll get into this here in a second. I love Drew Dober at plus 285. If you're talking about value, right? And we're talking about value when it comes to betting. This is one of the more valuable plays on the card, in my opinion, which I'm hoping you'll you'll reinforce me on here. I totally agree. I totally agree. What Drew Dober has done, you see a plus 285 next to his name. And again, if you and I are sitting around and we're in a different situation where lives are on the line, maybe we go to the window and we say, you know what, I got I to gotta do Islam Akashev because the stakes are dire here. But this is much closer than those odds would suggest. Look at Dober's current form. Look at all the accrued experience. Look at the way he has sort of leaned into the training, taken some of the pressure pressure off. You know, we talked a lot with Jimmy Rivera and Pedro Munoz this past weekend is sometimes a couple of losses can be can be liberating for mm-hmm. a fighter. And I think for Drew Dober, he was able to sort of just exhale and succeed and let his skills take over and and look at the knockout streaks. So what a good dude. My colleague Brennan Fitzgerald says he wears his UFC roster spot like a badge of honor. And now I would I would say we're beyond that. Okay. Because he's a bona fide UFC lightweight contender. All of that being said He's probably fighting the most avoided guy in the division. And sure. for good reason. I mean, there are a lot of superlatives coming from my colleague Daniel Cormier this week about Makashev in terms of uh, his championship potential. And uh, again, were it not for that misstep against Adriano Martins back in the day early on in his UFC career, this guy could have already, you know, been in these top five situations. You know, he was to have a main event against Rafael Dos Anjos. So it's an amazing fight for the division. It's a relevant fight. It's a high stakes fight. And uh, for the sake of, of this fine show, I hope your guy Dober gets it done. We hope so too, to be honest with you. Um, and it's it's more so one from a betting standpoint, obviously I want to make some money, right. but also I'd love to see a, a friend of the program get it done. I need to run something by you here though. Yeah, Cause, Cause here's something, you know, I try to, you don't want to censor yourself, but you always you always want to keep things professional. And one of the things that we've recently started instituting, especially from a social media standpoint, is anytime we mention a fighter, we're going to start tagging them in what we mention, right? We don't want to be the random internet comment saying that this person can't do this or won't do that or is a bum or this, that, and the other, right? We're always, we're, it's a new thing we're going to start doing, but maybe it'll catch on. I don't know. We're, we're actually going to own up to the things that we say around here. So I want to make sure and just get your two cents on this in regards to, if I were to say that one of the things that bothers me about Islam is the hype that he gets when I don't think that he's fought anybody. I don't think that he's fought anybody. Now, I say that with due respect to every single fighter that had made the walk to the cage and stepped right. in there and fought in front of a crowd and put life and limb online, right? right? But I, my concern with Islam is I'm not necessarily sure that he has the strongest strength of the schedule to warrant the praise that he's getting, right? I love I think Davi Ramos is a great fighter. Armand Sarukian. I thought that that fight was very competitive despite the unanimous decision. It was competitive. I remember that one. My memory's not great, but I remember right. that one. Right. And then a, a, a win over Cajun Johnson. I'm not, you know, Cajun Johnson was, is, is a, everybody to, to not get bogged down here. Everybody that makes the walk the UFC is an elite level athlete and amongst the best in the world. I'm just going to say that. But if you're looking at them apples to apples, I don't necessarily know that Cajun Johnson or Chris Wade really fall into that 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 framework. Nick Lentz, on the other hand, obviously a seasoned veteran. Gleason Tebow, very much the same. Who Gleason Tebow is one the only guy that you can even make somewhat of an argument that may or may not have beaten Khabib. And I have had death threats over me saying that out loud. So I'm just 
just yeah. be prepared. Don't, don't co-sign to that because they'll be after yeah. you. Um, but, you know, Leo Kuntz as well. I just, I don't know, man. I, if I look at who Dober's beat and I look at who through Islam beats, I, I understand the superlatives coming from DC because DC sees him in the gym every single day, but I'm just not on the train yet, right? I haven't punched the ticket onto the hype train just yet. Guys like Tom Aspinall, yes. Guys like Ilya Taporia, yes. I'm on the train. I got the conductor hat on their train. But yeah. guys like Islam Mahachev, I'm just not, I don't know if I'm there yet. Is that wrong? Well, I mean, perhaps I lean into DC's words a little bit too much because of our relationship, but I've heard Habib talk about Islam and I've heard a lot of people put him on a pedestal for years. You know, I am still looking at 18 and one and sure. he has had some interesting stylistic challenges. I mean, I think you make a lot of salient points, but Davi Hamosh is a real pain in the butt to fight, you know, in a lot right. of respects, Nick Lentz. I mean, you, I don't have to tell you that. I think Chris Wade's a little bit of an underrated win, but I understand your sentiments there and, and the KO of Gleason Tebow. To me, it's just strength of schedule or otherwise it's inactivity, right? I mean, two sure. appearances in 2018, two in 2019, none last year for, for more reasons than one. Um, but yeah, win over Rafael Dos Anjos certainly would be useful for the, the body of work and the resume. Right. But I think that's why you and I see plus 285 next to an active prime and primal Drew Dober, who sure. is well coached and coachable and um, see a lot of value, you yeah. know? Um, so we'll see my man. Not to be un- not not to be underrated or not mentioned either, but Drew is living his best life right now. Um, got himself a new house, newly engaged. Got himself a dog. He yep. is living it up and loving it. So, uh, I mean, you see him when he walks out to the octagon. He's playing happy music. He's dancing. My right. man is living his best life. And I um, also would inject into the conversation. And we talked about this a little bit on our show. Sure. Making that walk in the UFC apex with mm-hmm. no fans, right? So here you are, Drew Dober, tried out for the Ultimate Fighter Live in 2012. He's been around the block, been here forever, right? Mm-hmm. But you're walking into the UFC apex for the biggest fight of your life. And it, there's a calming effect sure. that is there for a lot of fighters. And if that, and if you're one of the fighters like that, Jan Pohovic walking in there, like it's a damn sparring session. Sure, you know? yeah. So the one thing I can guarantee you about Jan, and we're going to get there is that he will be calm, cool and collected competing in that apex. He may not win, but the environment is a factor. And I think for Dober in a fight of this magnitude, it helps that it's in the apex, even if it's the little tiny guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. I completely agree. All right. The first of three title fights. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's so hard to pace a show like this out because you could really just camp and just talk about any of these for yeah. a prolonged period of time. But Piotr Jan at 15 and one taking on that that Ray Longo product himself, Aljamain Sterling at 19 and three. We're seeing it at a pick em. Um over under on rounds is at three and a half. I, I'm not going to ask you to, to even go any further. I know that you're big on Aljamain Sterling. Um, I know that you're you and you and Ray Longo share this 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 kinship this brotherhood this is a real stiff test for aljo this is a real stiff test Piotr yawn has looked nothing but essentially untouchable since he came to the ufc and aljamain you know did have that stumble against marlon rice but outside of that he's looked fantastic as well and i think not you really look no further than the the win over Corey sandhagen who just put on probably one of the greatest knockouts i've ever seen if not in promotional history against a guy like Frankie Yeager and Aljo's got a very quick backpack style win over him. And now he's going in there against a Russian killer and Piotr Jan. This is a legitimate fight. This is my, you know, I guess you would say early pick selection for probably fight of the night. I really have no idea where this thing goes. 
we've got some numbers on pick'em fights historically, mm -hmm. sure. UFC championship history. There haven't been that many of them. And I think that's why the fans' appetite is so wet for this one, really, because on paper people are very divided, and I think people are very convicted on both sides. I will tell you, I have – called most of Aljo's career. Ray Longo, to your point, is on my podcast every week and one of my best friends. So uh, the call will be objective, but obviously I, I've spent a lot of time with Aljo. That being said, the more film I watch on Piotr Jan, I mean, and I called some of these fights. I didn't call a lot of his early fights, not unlike Cito Gan. I, I missed most of the early sure. portions of his career, at least watching live, which is a totally different beast. But Dude, I mean, this dude's an athlete, man. Yeah. I mean, you can see why when Henry Sudo vacated the Bantamweight title that Dana didn't know who he was going to put in that fight on both sides, but Piotr Jan sure. was the name that he started with. I agree, man. He has the potential to be something special. And so does Aljamain Sterling. I think stylistically, it's a favorable matchup for Aljo in some respects in terms of sure. the wrestling and grappling. There are plenty of cappers out there who would tell you that, uh, that Jan – can hold up in all of those departments and then some he just hasn't necessarily had to lean on all of those defensive sure. skills fight in and fight out uh but yeah aljo's a real problem in that tiny little octagon man and uh i wouldn't be surprised if we see two-way action right up until kickoff so to speak yeah i'd be i'm excited to see where it lands let's talk about the calls for a second you i had this on my notes and i want to bring this up you've somehow avoided coming up with like a trademark call something that whenever a fight comes to a dramatic conclusion, is that, have you done that consciously or just, do you just prefer being off the cuff like that every time? Um, I'm trying to provide the best soundtrack to UFC history as possible. And to me, the best way to do that is not to, to have a catchphrase like mm. you're hitting the button. Right. Uh, it's to give each moment what it deserves. And some of those fight ending calls are better than others, Yeah, but, uh, I think that every moment is a signature moment and that's kind of the way it should be. And our, our sport is the theater of the unpredictable. So it is very much by design. Sometimes you fall into some traps, you know, still undisputed sometimes comes off the tip of the tongue. I can tell you, and I'm sorry if I'm repetitive to some of your audience, but there's no, only not one time that I have ever even thought about what I was going to say. Okay. It was late in Demetrius Johnson's UFC career, and he was chasing Anderson Silva, and the word immortality kept coming back to mm -hmm. me. So I think I might have said one win away from UFC immortality, so that's literally the only time I have ever planned anything as far as a fight ending call is concerned, and uh, hopefully there are more hits than misses, I guess. I got you. Is, is there a call that you wish you could have back? That's a great question. I mean, I, I could start listing mistakes I've made on broadcast if sure. you want those. I remember when Justin Janes made his UFC debut. We got the end of the fight called pretty well with his win, his finish. But I called him Jesse Janes during the post-fight mm. interview. So I wouldn't yeah. mind having that back. Uh, I said Corey Anderson had a kid, and he did not have a child at that point. So he got back to the locker room. His wife was pregnant. But Corey Anderson got back to the locker room and uh, had about 30 text messages being like, dude, I didn't know you had a kid. So uh, we had to navigate that one a little bit. Right. But, uh, you know, we, we've never had a perfect show and, and maybe we never will. But I'm proud of a lot of the way we've capped these championship moments, even sure. the Bohovich call that continuously is getting uh, played all week. Um, you know, Poland, your guy got it done, right? I don't yeah, know how many I words it. it is, but I think it fits. So, I love uh, it. you know, hopefully uh, – 
pressure's on this weekend from Dale. We'll see what we can do. Nah, listen, I just I just wanted to know because I mean I love and it, honestly your answer was a hundred times better than what I thought anything was uh-huh. going to come out. So that that's definitely that. But f- for my money, you know, I love the creativity each and every time. And like you said, giving each moment its own special flair and touch. But I also love a good Mora Ranella Mama Mia. I mean, that's really just no doubt. And it's <laughs> really, and the thing that yeah. I like, he doesn't trot that out every time. Right, I right. absolutely love Mauro Ronaldo. And uh, thankfully I've had the chance in person to tell him as much, but when I was cutting my teeth back in the day, uh, I, I looked up to him to a great uh, extent and I still do. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> mama mia, man. I love it. that gets oh, me, hi- that gets me hyped no up doubt. every time. There's no doubt. I love him. I'm a fan, you know? All right, we got women's featherweight championship. Amanda Nunes taking on Megan Anderson. Amanda Nunes at 20 and four. Megan Anderson at 10 and four. I honestly believe that Amanda Nunes at a minus 1400, Megan Anderson plus 700 over under at one and a half. This is a dog or pass situation for me. And if you feel so inclined to bet Amanda Nunes at minus 1400, go for it. It's not, it's too rich for my blood. I'm not going to put it in anything. Maybe a parlay piece. Uh, if anything, but even then you're not going to see total great return on her unless it's at, at least a five or a six legger. Megan Anderson, though, I think presents real problems at plus 700. I think a lot of people are dismissing her here, and I'm not just trying to sell pay-per-views. I think Megan has a real chance of getting it done. She's well coached. She's got grit and, you know, she presents real problems and is a legitimate 145 pound female fighter. She's not a 135 or coming up. She's not, you know, a 155er that's cutting a ton of weight trying to come down. She is right. a legitimate right in the sweet spot where she needs to be. She's comfortable there. She's always competed there. She looks, feels good. And she believes more than importantly, that's her time. And Glory MMA is on a hot streak. There's not, they are amongst the hottest gyms in, in the world right now. She's so she's well coached. She's going to be well prepared. And Amanda Nunes better be ready for a fight on Saturday night. Cause I think Megan Anderson at plus 700 has real live dog potential. I mean, she's six feet tall, Dale. Can we start there? Can we just yeah. start she's, there? She's built like a grasshopper. She literally, she's just huge back I'm legs, man. You, man. I'm telling you. I'm looking at Amanda Nunez's odds history, mm-hmm. and she has been perpetually bet up over her last sure. several title defenses. But against Felicia Spencer, you know, she closed minus 700. So twice the price against Megan Anderson. I just don't see it. And I do believe that 135 pounds is Nunez's better weight class. So sure. Your price is twice as good on the underdog this time around in a weight class that, in theory, wouldn't be Nunez's best. Now, hate to have to be the first person to fight Amanda Nunez, who's a mom, right? She ain't trying to go 0-1 with her daughter, sure. Reagan, right? She's trying to go 1-0, so we can talk intangibles all you want. But sure. Amanda Nunez, if she's healthy and making that walk, she's motivated. And yeah. she's ready to go, and the hunger remains. I don't know how healthy she is. I think she's healthy. I will tell you that... I don't know how many more fights she has left, Mm. right? I mean, I know she has hinted a little bit, but I think the body's beat up from all the training camps. And uh, again, I just, I like the idea of Megan Anderson's frame. I like the idea of her head coach and James Krause and really trying to stick to a strategy and a game plan, whatever that is. Um, But Amanda Nunez is just trying to force one mistake. And uh, that's why she says she didn't finish Felicia Spencer because Felicia didn't make that one mistake that would have given her the easy finish. That's why she beat her like 50 to 40, right? Right, right. It was yeah. like five straight 10 eights. <laughs> right. Uh, but when Amanda starts uh, gaining confidence in her speech during fight week, as she is right now, it, it's a scary proposition for Megan Anderson, but dogger passes is, is the only way to go. 
So let me let me ask you this because you you brought up a, a unique point here that I usually kind of sit on the other side of the seesaw. You think that her having a child is going to motivate her more? Do you think that's going to give her, you know, that intangible better chance of winning? Because I sort of sit on the other end. I think that having kids sort of makes you a little bit softer, a little makes you makes you a little, you know, fuzzier around the edges, not as sharp as you used to be. I have three children as well, and I can tell you right now, the Dale of no kids is drastically different than the, right. than, than the Dale right. of three children. And you see fighters like Cowboy like Cub Swanson that were normally killers and they start having kids and with all due respect to them, cause they're still winning fights. There is a little bit of the edge that comes off. And it, to me, when I see a, a fighter having a kid, I, I sort of take pause for a second to go, can you be that violent? Can you enter that headspace when we get into the octagon where you're willing to put it all on the line and face the, the blood, the guts and the gore to get it done. That's, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think this is interesting. I think this, if, if, if a man is going to lose, this is the spot that it's going to happen because she's fighting a real 145 and she just had a kid. So I don't know. I agree with some of that. And historically, I certainly fall in line with you. I think sure. generally speaking, if you can delay having children while you're a professional fighter, try to do that because yeah. absolutely it can be a distraction. It can take you away. It can make you sleep less. So I would think in 90% of cases, I would say it would be a variable that I would not want to inject into the equation, except we're talking about Tom Brady here. We're talking about Amanda Nunes. We're talking about the greatest of all time. We're talking sure. about somebody who will use this as a source of motivation sure. and be like, I ain't going. Oh, and one, my daughter's in the damn building, you know? Sure. So, but I'm excited for Megan. Again, I, I think she deserves much more respect than she is getting from the betting public and the odds makers. And uh, she's a good kid who has battled a lot of things mentally and otherwise. And uh, I'm excited to see what she can do with the showcase. Again, though, promotional hyperbole is a powerful thing, right? Like, I'm not saying that's what I'm spitting out here tonight. But sure. like, I get so immersed in it that like by the time Felicia Spencer made that walk, I mean, I'm all excited, right? right. Because all week long, I'm prepping and making a case for, and then you remember what greatness looks like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of greatness, we're about to see a showcase of it for the main event on Saturday. We finally got here. Jan Blahov is at plus 195 is taken on Israel Adesanya at minus 230. Over under on rounds is at two and a half. You didn't get a chance to talk about it on your show because uh, it's just kind of blowing up you know, the internet right now, but Ariel had an interview with Izzy. And Adesanya is saying that he's thinking he's going to weigh in somewhere around 193 pounds for the fight on Saturday night against a guy in Jan Blahovitz who I don't think, unless you really kind of left him in the woods for weeks on end, is going to get anywhere near that kind of weight. I think he's going to probably make the walk on Saturday night somewhere in the 220, 220 plus neighborhood. Is that going to be a real problem for Adesanya? Is he resting too much on the laurels of an elite? kickboxing background that's a that's a big show of confidence to come in almost 30 or 40 pounds lighter against a guy who is a legitimate champion like undisputed light heavyweight champion of the world Jan Blahovis you're going to come in 30 35 pounds lighter that that takes huevos uh, no doubt and he <laughs> has those probably yeah. has four of them but <laughs> i would spin it back to you i mean what are you asking him to do put on like 20 pounds of muscle from the september fight with costa to this one right i mean what's he to do no but you i know, think i don't even think that helps him. 
I don't even think that helps him as a martial artist. Okay. I don't even know if he could train effectively and put on good weight to get up to 205. Again, I'm probably not the guy to be asking these sure. questions. Sure. But I do believe that that's a, something that should give Jan a tremendous amount of confidence that he's the naturally bigger man and by a pretty significant margin. I'm excited to see them stare down, as I think everybody is, and to really get a better, better feel for it. But, uh, yeah, man, he's weighed in at 182 and a hook or so for some middleweight fights, so I wasn't right. going to be surprised if he came in in that range. But we'll see, man. We'll see. I just feel like in Izzy, we trust. It's almost like in Bill Belichick, we trust. The guy sure. is just a savant. I mean, he just uh, he's just so elite in every part of the game, mentally, physically, emotionally, how to handle everything. Uh, and again, not unlike Conor McGregor, everything that Izzy has said, has come true competitively. Sure. Everything that he has said, he's backed up. So um, I can understand why some some pros out there are going to be uh, having those, you know, five figure straight wagers on Adesanya. Well, I think one of the things that makes makes this interesting when I think about a guy like Adesanya is I kind of, you know, maybe fairly or unfairly lump him into a category of like a Dustin Poirier. Poirier obviously fights at one fifty five, but has notably said that he walks around anywhere, you know somewhere north of 185, almost all the way up to 200 when he's not in camp. So, yeah, I don't expect Adesanya to throw on 20 pounds of muscle, but I feel like maybe at a, that a guy that's fighting at 185 pounds, but to your point, you know, has said that he walks around around, around that anyway. Um, I feel like maybe just closer to 200 or just maybe closer sure. to 205. No, I think it's but fair. I, and, 193, and jeez, oh, man. And no, and I will I will talk to him about this for yeah. sure uh, in our Zoom meeting actually tomorrow. So yeah. uh, again, if we were talking tomorrow night, I'd have some pretty good insight sure. for you on that. But uh, it's interesting, and it's always interesting when guys move up, and more often than not in this era of uh, of simultaneous champions, that's what the fighters have done. TJ Dillashaw, I think, moved down, sure. but. Uh, We'll see, man. We'll see what Jan can do. I will say, as I said earlier, this dude is a mental giant, right? You hear people say mental midget. Jan right. is a mental giant. Walks into our fighter meeting on Fight Island before the Dominic Reyes fight. Pregnant fiance behind us. And uh, I just remember when he left the room, it was like, we turned to each other. It's like, dude, that dude ain't losing Saturday night. I right. Mean, he just was so locked in and ready and had sure. a great quick answer in his third language, you know, for every question. So couldn't. You know, I married into a Polish family, couldn't think more highly of Jan Bohovic, but 20 and 0, Dale, I would ask you as the semi-professional better, I mean, where are you leaning? You see Adesanya in the minus 250 range. Sure. If you've bet on him 20 times prior, you're, you've cashed 20 tickets. Sure. So if you're looking at value, I think that if you're on the Izzy side, that's a great price for him still. Even at the minus 250 range, that's still a decent price for him. And if he beats Yawn, it might be outside of a John Jones fight, the only time that you can even get him anywhere near that. I think that even right. if he fights Robert Whitaker, if Whitaker goes out and wins his next fight decidedly, I still think he sits in the minus 300. And as you would put it, uh, the prohibitive right. favorite to the point where you don't even want to touch him at this point. It might be the last time that you can get him at even somewhat of a palatable number when you're talking about, you know, can you play it and what your bankroll is now for your average hundred dollar better. This is not the play for you. Izzy is not the play here. I right, would not right. do that. But if you've right. got bankroll, Izzy's a good shot here. Like you said, I think his timing, I think his speed, I think his octagon control and the fact that he has the mentality of an undefeated fighter and everything that comes with that definitely puts him in a position where this is great value. However, if I'm looking at a guy that I think is perpetually underrated, Jan Blahovitz is that guy. He is always 
put in a position where he is just such a big dog and he's yes he's going to move probably a little bit slower than adesanya yes he carries his hands in a way that leave him a little bit more susceptible to straight strikes down the, the pipeline like we saw with the maheda knockout but here's the thing you're talking about a guy well we talk about stipe right embracing that immigrant mentality i love those Eastern Bloc European countries, or as the people on the show know, the Eastern Bloc Europe in, in the Caucasus Mountains, man. Everything around there, I love those guys because yeah, they, yeah. they are not afraid to go out there and fight to the death. They don't care, and they will do what it takes for family, honor, and tradition, and I love that. That just makes me want to run through a wall. I get pumped talking about it, and I really think that Blahovitz's power is going to create problems for Izzy if Izzy can't get out of the way. I'm sure you're aware of what a nightstick fracture is. That's the kind of things that I worry about when I hear Adesanya coming in at 193 pounds and you have a guy the size of Jan Blahovitz is going to be throwing that left leg the way well, he right. did he against picks. Dom Reyes. No Golly, man. And then if Adesanya tries to check one of those, what do you what do you do with that? Like I don't I don't know. It just makes me nervous, but also Izzy had what 70 plus professional kickboxing fights. I don't have to tell that guy how to fight obviously. He's forgotten more than I'll ever learn. Well, but I think part of the reason why people are so excited, Joe Rogan among them, is because of Bohovich's potential and the style that he brings. He really is a five-tool guy and a really good athlete in his own sure. right. So I'm excited to see it. And yes, I mean, the size adds something into the equation, but it, it's been a, a, an incredible resurgence for Jan Bohovich. I don't have to tell you, he was two and four walking out of Buffalo in like 2017. Two and four in the UFC, that is. Right, yeah. yeah. Look at him now, man. So we'll see. I'm curious to see where the line will close. You know, I do expect some of these. See, what's interesting for me is like I'm a straight wager guy for the sure. most part when, okay. I'm, when I'm a better, right? But in this minus 250, minus 260 range, when I'm betting other sports, oftentimes I'll take one of those sure. priced favorites and tie it to, you know, bucks plus five or whatever it is, right? right? So I do believe that if you're on the Adesanya side, you know, maybe you find a college basketball game or something that you can tie that to. I don't like crossing up my MMA with a bunch of parlays, sure. not that I'm allowed to bet on it, but uh, generally speaking, um, find a fighter that you like. And if there's value, put 50 bucks on, it, you know? So, so what is your bread and butter? Let's talk about betting for a second. Let's, let's move away. We got a couple minutes here. I want to be respectful of the time you've allotted us tonight. If let's just basically talking betting, what, what, what's your bread and butter? Where are you cutting your teeth at? You said you bet every game since 1996, or you've had, you've had plays rather every right. day since 1996. Where are we cutting our teeth at baseball, college football? Where is it? Where can I get some, some anic picks? Well, Anecdotes. I love betting the National Football League. I do better right. historically betting every game against the spread as opposed to trying to select two or three or five in the Super Contest, which is a very challenging exercise if you haven't done it. But I've been in the Super Contest for, for seven years running. I haven't cashed yet, but I've been pretty close. Um, but I'll bet it all, Dale. I mean, you don't I'll care bet it all. I love betting hockey. I love betting baseball. I like betting baseball because of the the back-to-back -back nature of it. So, sure. uh can do some system plays with Major League Baseball right. a little bit. As a Red Sox fan, I'm always betting on the Yankees and hoping to rip up my tickets. But if the Yankees lose three or four in a row, some people tell you don't get in on a losing streak. But I can tell you, Dale, Yankees lose three or four in a row. I start to bet them aggressively until they win a baseball game. And also, I think it's interesting in this climate, you see a lot of these college basketball games and NBA games where they're playing the same team a couple times. So yeah. there's some unique opportunities that uh, that aren't traditionally there. But I, I think for me, I love betting football. 
Oh, when you you want to talk about betting a losing streak? Those that are in the chat or, or will be listening to this after the fact uh, witnessed a live one last Saturday night as I continued to double down fight after fight after fight on Instagram Live. I have never had a run so poorly in my entire life than I did this past Saturday. I don't know what happened. I felt cursed for a split second. I couldn't give a fight away. I couldn't pick a booger on Saturday. It was awful. And then I finally got to the point where I was so mad at how bad I was doing. I decided to fade myself and the fade came right at the Montana De La Rosa, Myra Silva fight. And of course it ends in a draw. And I'm like, this is the universe just telling me it's time to let it go, bro. You got to let it go. So I, you know, it, it was normally uh, on Instagram live. If I'm losing poorly throughout the night, uh, if Trey and I are getting waxed, one of us will get on and we will, destroy whether it be a beer two beers the other the other night it was a glass of tequila it doesn't usually we sacrifice a chug to the mma gods and for whatever reason that writes the ship you know there's no i'm not i'm not opposed to a little superstition every once in a while i i i love it and i heard from a lot of betters mma betters who because of the lack of finishes did not do particularly gosh it was awful it was awful (laughs) in that regard yeah just the the one so hey you I know you listen to my podcast, but the 25 foot octagon doesn't just equal finishes. You know, I love the sentiment that's out there, but again, you come up on that fence pretty quickly and then there's a lot of grappling, you know, Dale would just have the underhooks on me. I would just be sitting there the whole time. I'm so glad you brought this up. Can I, this is you, we've got, we've got a couple minutes left and I just want to run something by you. Okay. I'm glad you brought up the underhooks thing and I don't want you to rescind your, uh, your invite because you've already, you've already initiated it. It lives in the annals of time. You can't take it away. Okay. This yeah. is this is what you went on Instagram live or not Instagram live, but you put a video up on Instagram after the event on Saturday where right. you had, you had talked about the idea of possibly wanting to take a calf kick or two to right. see what that was like. Right. Because right. you feel that the best way to do your job is going to be able to immerse yourself into what the athletes have going on in some capacity. Is that not fair? Necessarily, not necessarily. Right. Because I'm, I'm trying to stay in my lane, right? So okay. I'm not trying to, when the fight hits the floor, I'm not trying to be sure. a jiu-jitsu expert. I sure. know about a hip escape and certain little things, but for the most part, I try to stay in my lane. This is sort of me playfully as a fan, like, dude, I need to know what this thing feels like. Sure. Okay? Now, certainly would it help me on the broadcast having taken one? Yes, but it's not like my bosses want me talking about my personal experience taking a calf kick from Gilbert Dorino Burns on the broadcast, right? So if it does happen, and it probably will, it's not going to be like a publicity stunt. Where right. you get, but, and it, candidly, I've had a lot of fighters discourage me from doing it because they think I'm going to like tear my ACL. Sure. I've had about a dozen, maybe two dozen at this point who can't wait to kick me in the right. calf. And Platinum Mike Perry, who says, I'll tell you how to take it to soften the blow a little bit. Right. So um, certainly, I think being immersive in whatever your field is, you know, I took boxing lessons for a few years. I did take jujitsu oh for a time, did not like that at all. Right. Uh, I'm doing some strength and conditioning with some MMA coaches down here, getting a better idea of what the athletes go through. Um, but uh, I don't know that there are any amateur mixed martial arts contests in my future day. Okay, well, listen, this is where we're at. All right. So I'm in Charleston. I'm not far from you. I'm, I mean, I'm far, but I'm you're not trying to kick me or fight me. What no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, I, listen, this, I'm just I'm making a proposal. OK, I would never right, I'm not right. going to chat. You're a guest. You're a guest on my show. I can't disrespect right. you like that. But here's where I'm at. I'm 35 years old. Right. I've had more concussions probably than I can count on two hands. Right. I got a little bit of amateur boxing background, which you just admitted that you have as well. And we're both kind of at that age where if we're going to do something competitive, we might have one good one left in us. Right. And people that. Look, I'm looking at you and you can tell there's no ill intent in my heart. 
and I'm, I'm looking at you and there's no, there's no maliciousness in you. Right. Right. But maybe we can just be two guys that want to feel alive and we'll throw the headset on and maybe just do a round or two. And it, you're saying headgear. Head, yeah. The head, we'll okay. throw the headgear head, on. Yeah. Sorry. I said headset. No. I'm sorry. I'm fired up because I'm just yeah. saying yeah. we'll throw the headgear on. Head gear will and be just, What's your weight class? I'll be, I'll come in at whatever weight you want me to be. What do you weigh right now? I weigh 200 right now. All right. So like 80 of it's in my head. Look at this thing. It's Photoshop. Yeah. My head's. No, I mean, I want to be the underdog in this setting. Okay. So like if I were to compete in sure. the UFC or actually in an amateur fight, I would be competing at Bantamweight, but I'll move oh up. Oh my gosh, really? It, but I'll fight you under seven. So I weigh like 55 today. Okay. So, but I'll fight you at 70, you know? I'll okay. You or, or under, you know, I mean, can you cut to 70? I can cut to 70. We just, you, you just got to give me more time. We can't do it next yeah. week at 70. No. And really candidly, I don't know. I have an identical twin brother who has a ponytail. So yeah. I kind of want my amateur debut to be against that guy. Oh, that's you know? a, you I would, I would, comfortable uh, yeah. with him. But uh, we can we can further the conversation offline. We may not be in the same weight class, though. I might make it tough. That's okay. Well, if you fight him, let me be on the cans then. Let, let's do that. Dude, I love your voice. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, listen, you've been super gracious with your time. I'm going to go ahead and cut you loose because, uh, you know, obviously you told me you got an hour. I want to stick hard to that. We've got some prelims to cover, but I know that time is of the essence and you work, you're the hardest working man in the room, at least in this room. I, I can, I can absolutely vouch for that. You've, you've been absolutely amazing. Is there any parting shots you want to leave us with before you, you ride off into the sunset? Well, no, I appreciate the chance to chop it up and, uh, it's not always, you know, I don't always get the chance to step away and do something like this. That's just kind of fun during a pay-per-view week. So I enjoyed chatting with you and we'll have you on the Anakin Florian podcast for UFC 261. And uh, hopefully for everybody listening, maybe this makes you enjoy the pay-per-view a little bit more this weekend after ingesting this chat. So uh, thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, we'll see if Aljamain Sterling can break through for the United States of America and Ray Longo. I don't know. It's going to be tough, but I'm excited to see always the best thing for me sitting in that seat, Dale, is when a man or woman breaks through and becomes a first-time UFC champion, right? Yeah. So for Megan Anderson and Al Jermaine Sterling, if they can accomplish what they've set out to do this weekend, they change their lives forever. So uh, we'll see what they can do. Parting shot, then. Has there ever been anything that's gotten you emotional? Like, got the, got the, got the dusties in the corner, anything? Oh, man. I mean, I didn't cry for probably 10 years, and then I had kids, and now I cry. Everything, right? It's everything. It's everything. The, you know what got me? The the commercials for the Olympics. Whenever they were doing the we're not going to do the Olympics this year commercials, I was like, what the hell? I'm like sitting there. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't understand what's happening right I now. I got a little tease for you and your 10-year-old daughter. I don't okay. know if it'll make air this weekend, okay? okay? And it stays with your audience because sometimes this stuff ends up on the cutting room floor. Okay. But one of our producers, Mike Ricci, created this amazing video. This is Amanda Nunez's first fight as a mom. Sure, sure. And voiceover done by my two daughters and Daniel Cormier's daughter. Oh, what? So what? I know the team will execute it properly, um, but oh I'm hoping that that, that that makes air because obviously it was pretty special for my daughters to come into my podcast studio and put on the cans and, uh, you know, lay, lay their voice to something oh, UFC related. Man. So hopefully you and your daughter enjoy that this weekend if it makes the air. So. I'm sure I'm, she's going to be so pumped up. Oh, my gosh. And I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I know or that I let her know what's going on uh, whenever it hits the screen. Oh, my gosh. That's that's awesome. Crazy, bro. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right. So we'll connect soon. You got a shirt coming your way, but I'll talk Great. to you before then anyway. Cool. And then we'll make something happen. We'll have to work out the logistics for the 261 show. But this is this is a bucket list. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is a bucket list thing that's happened right now. It wasn't always on my bucket list, but um, we're here now. 
Like the bucket there is that, that the bucket is go. that much more full. Uh, I'm I'm I kid you not. Yeah, you you made my day today. So I appreciate that. Thank I, you so yeah, much. That means a lot to me. Don't make me cry, Dale. We talked about crying. Don't make me cry. But That's I appreciate a, that. And uh, yeah, we look forward to having you on the show. I know you can bring it. I mean, there's no doubt. No doubt you could hold down that slot. I can already tell. So, uh, but uh, we're gonna make you go on the record with all of these. Of stuff. course, of course. And then with that too, obviously, I'll be able to be a little bit more analytic because I can't. You know, we're trying to keep things in that fluffer zone because you can't, you can only say so much. So, but if I'm going against Ken flow, it'll be like, it'll be an old rivalry renewed. So, you know, I'm 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 bringing the heat. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Dale. We'll talk soon, my man. Talk soon. Thanks. Appreciate it, John. All right. Oh man. I don't even know what to do with myself right now. Oh, keep the show going. That's what we're going to do because we have got to, finish the prelims, right? I just literally talked to the man for an hour and um, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know what to do with that. We're not, uh, oh, people's parlay winners. That's what we got to do. And then I'm not going to cry with happiness. That's that's one of the things that we're going to do. All right, so let's do this. Um, I did see, I did see that she hopped in here real quick. So uh, it's easier if I have somebody to talk to. So Jake, can you throw Kate in real quick so we can talk? So that way I just have somebody to talk to so we can round out the show. <laughs> I don't have my ring light on or nothing. I was not ready for this. That's okay. How, how are we doing? Oh, we're good. Good. I just want that you was to. Awesome. I, I, I loved the whole show. I'm sitting here just like beaming with happiness for you. Awesome. So let's, let's give away some money and then I'll finish out the prelims and we'll roll out. All right. So those of you who are uninitiated, we did the people's parlay last week and the people's parlay is this. We had all of our listeners uh, that follow us on social media. They all voted on a parlay. And within that parlay, um, they they decided what pieces were going to be part of it, a component. And if it hit, Trey and I agreed that we were going to give the money back to the listeners. It was a five-leg parlay. It hit. So we're going to give that money. We're going to chop it up into five pieces and we're going to dis- divide it equally amongst everybody. So that being said, let me go ahead and share my screen here. We're going to go ahead and spin the wheel five times and uh, we're going to go... We're going to give some money away, right? So if if your name comes up, you need to shoot us a DM on Instagram. So that way I know who you are. And then I can get money to you to your Venmo or your cash app. All right. So this is what we're going to do. Let's go ahead and share my screen here. I did not create the pirate music for this one. Normally we do the pirate music. I did not do it for this one because I had to recreate a brand new wheel. Every one of those pieces of the pie is a new person. So let's get after it. I'm going to spin this thing five times. Are you ready? Yes. Let's, let's, let's get go. it. Well, that's probably really rough for the. Uh... It's so tiny. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. It's we'll see. Let's see. We just here. know that you're doing it fairly. That's that's all. That's right. That's all it is. For first winner, Scramble and Gamble Preview Podcast. I believe the Scramble and Gamble Podcast. All right. Awesome. We're gonna we're gonna remove all instances of their name so they can't win twice. And let's roll it again. Scramble and Gamble winner number one. You got to keep track of these because one time we did it and we didn't pick enough. Oh, people. okay. I'll, I'll write. I'll write them down. Yeah. And then winner number two, Nick Meach, 864, at Nick Meach, 864. All right, we're going to remove all instances of Nick. That's two. This is tough radio because we're doing all these. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, you're about to win. Oh, you just missed. Oh, Shorty in Texas. Shorty in Texas. I saw your name get really close. I can't can't win anyway. Like that wouldn't be fair. Well, I mean, you entered, you voted, so that's that's usually how it works. Trey, you asked me to. You know how much it gives me anxiety. Yeah. All right. Let's see. That was number three. Shorty in Texas was number three, 
And then let's see here. Keith, ton of underscores. And then Keith, Keith, you're winner number four. Whoever was ton of underscores. And then Keith, you are number four winner. All right, let's remove all instances. And then finally, last but not least, the last winner of the People's Parlay. Let's get it. I love, I love giving stuff away. I just, it's one of my favorite parts of our show. I just wish we could have more stuff to give away. Arvis724, RVAS724. Congratulations. You are our fifth and final winner for the People's Parlay. We're going to do a People's Parlay this upcoming week as well. So be sure to vote on that. Be sure to follow along on the Instagram stories. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be able to, uh, you know, we'll, hopefully we'll win again. We're going to do a six-leg parlay this time. This was the so. best part about last week's card was yeah, this. was the people's parlay hitting. So, yeah. um, all right, well, I'm going to talk prelim fights, so I will bid you adieu. Thank you for coming on and giving me something to talk or somebody to talk to while I did that, no problem, but Neil. I can handle it from here on out. So thank you very much. Sounds um, good. I appreciate it. I w- I'm just going to pop you out of here. Boom. There we go. All right, guys, man, what a great show. I'm so excited for what we got going on. Oh, man. All right. So let's break down some prelims. Congratulations to everybody that won. Um, I feel like a winner having John on the show. Man, what a winner. That was that was fantastic. I had about a million questions. That's a guy I could probably talk to for about 10 hours. Um, man, I was so excited for that. All right. But let's knock this out. Let's talk about some prelim fights. We've got a couple of them left. I'm just going to rifle through these real quick. I'll break them down and then we'll go from there. I'm not going to run the the betting odds and all that stuff because there's a lot to that. And I'm only one guy right now, but kicking off the prelims, we've got Trevin Jones versus Mario Batista, Mario Batista at eight and one Trevin Jones at 12 and six Trevin Jones had that really big win that got overturned because he had a positive, I believe it was marijuana test which you guys already know how i feel about that Uh, but mario batista is a big heavy hitter this fight taking place at bantamweight which i think is great there's a lot of good opportunity here to make some money um let me see here let me get this pulled up i got it here somewhere for those of you wondering why i'm doing this now and not jake jake had a hot date that he had to run out on to so um it's just it's, it's me rocking and rolling here so batista at a minus 237 trevin jones at a plus 202 over and around rounds is at two and a half inside the distance is the play here trevin jones has knockout power mario batista has knockout power i think that this fight ends inside the distance under two and a half is a viable play inside the distance is probably where it goes we're going to see the reverse of the curse of no finishes i think we get it i think we get a finish here i think ufc 259 starts out with a bang and we get an inside the distance play here. Mario Batista hits hard. Trevin Jones is there to be hit. Um, and if not, he can weather a storm and deliver some knockout power on his own. And it's at Bantamweight too. So uh, a little bit more weight behind him this time. So over and around is at two and a half. Under two and a half sounds good. Or inside the distance sounds good here as well. So I'm excited about that. Um, moving on, Urso Medic at six and O, oh, taking on a long cruise at eight and three. This is a great fight. Um, we have a lot of sleeper fights here where the guys that are going to be making names for themselves. So there's something to look out for with this card because we have some guys here that are really going to come out and they're going to try to put on a show because they know that the amount of eyes that are going to be on them are huge. Alon Cruz at a plus 141, Urso Medic at a minus 161. Great value on Medic here, an undefeated fighter uh, with a penchant for finishing fights and a great wrestling and striking background. Uh, he's really well-rounded. Minus 161 is a great price here for him. I think he can get it done. Um, might be looking at an impossible parlay piece. Love the value at a minus 161. Over and on rounds is at one and a half. Um, maybe an inside the distance play. Probably not. We might see a wrestle-heavy approach from either one of these guys. But Urso Medic, um, yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good value at minus 160. I really like him in that spot. Liviana Souza taking on Amanda Lemos. 
Souza at 14 and two Lemos at eight and one first female fight of the night. Um, betting women's underdogs. If, if we're doing that, like we did last event, we're, we're making money, right? We, we said that that was the way to do it. And Liviana Souza plus 200, Amanda Lemos minus 235 over on rounds at two and a half, two to one on your money here on, on a girl like Liviana Souza, not necessarily the most skilled, not necessarily the most polished, doesn't really do anything great. Um, but does a lot of things really well. I think there's good value there. Um, I appreciate that. So I, I think that Amanda Lemos uh, should, should I don't want to say she should, but she could definitely win this fight. Uh, she's, the, she's the favorite for a reason. I think Vegas has this line right, but it's women's MMA. It's, it's 50-50. It's a coin flip. And plus 200, two to one on your money on women's. It's worth it's worth a one unit or a two unit play. It's worth throwing a 20 on to try to double your beer money. It's worth, I, there's no reason not to with the exception of, of Amanda Nunes, there's and Valentina Shevchenko. There's really not a woman out there that really eliminates the value of her opposition. This really doesn't happen very often. So I think Amanda Nunes can definitely um, beat Megan Anderson, but I definitely think that Megan Anderson is a live dog. I think Liviana Souza is a live dog. It's a 50-50, man. It is 50-50 when it comes to this. So, all right. Let's see here. Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews. Sean Brady at 13 and 0. Jake Matthews at 17 and 4. This is my sleeper pick for fight of the night. This is my sleeper pick for fight of the night. I'm putting it out there right now. Blood oath, whatever you want to call it. This is the one. I really think this could be fight of the night. Sean Brady, minus 192. Jake Matthews at plus 167 has looked great at a bigger weight class. Jake Matthews looks better, fights better with weight on him. Sean Brady is a real talent, uh, but Jake Matthews has been around the block for a while. He is still young, but he has a wealth of UFC caliber and UFC experience. Overrun arounds at two and a half. This could be fight of the night. I believe that somebody's going to bleed in this fight. If we're going to see blood, I believe it graces the octagon in this fight. Um, Sean Brady is going to come out and he is going to swing for the fences and Jake Matthews is going to be there to engage him wherever the fight goes. If you look at what Jake Matthews did against Diego Sanchez, now that was Diego Sanchez. I'm not saying that that was the nightmare Diego of old, but that Jake Matthews came out and showed the poise and professionalism necessary to get a fight like this with Sean Brady and put himself in a position to be successful. I think Jake Matthews has value at plus 167. I think Sean Brady is a parlay piece here. I like Sean Brady in this fight, but Jake Matthews is a live dog. If you're into that kind of market, not to mention that this fight, this whole card is heavy, very, very heavy on these. Uh, gosh, I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. What do the, what do we call the people from Australia? Is it like pan Pacific? Is that, I can't remember what that, what that area, what, what, what we're calling them, but Australia, New Zealand, um, the Philippines, that whole area right there on the globe. I forget what that that's called. Forgive me. Uh, the words escaping me, but it's heavy there. So these guys are all, all traveling together, all putting in the work. I think Jake Matthews, uh, could be either the first domino to tip it, or he could be the one that sets off the fire. He could be the light. He could be the, the, the match that lights the fire when it comes to this. So it's a great fight with him and Sean Brady. I'm super excited for this. Um, but t- talking about, again, um, guys from that side of the earth, Carlos Ulberg taking on Ke- uh, Kennedy and Jekway. Kennedy and Jekway at 7-1. and one, Carlos Ulberg at 3-0. and oh. This is a fantastic fight. This is a fight that I just don't see how it goes the distance. Both these guys are big and they swing. We're talking about swinging swinging um 
you know, I, I don't know, man. I I really think that this fight, Oceanic, thank you. Thank you, Run It Back Podcast. I'm sorry, I was in the, I'm on a different screen. I didn't see it. Oceanic, thank you. Uh MMA heads, thank you. Oceana. Um, appreciate that, guys. Thank you. I should know better. That's that's what those are you. That's you, that you're that's your people. Of course you know that. Um yeah, for sure. So um I think that Oldberg gets it done here. Golly, not only is he super talented, right? He's super aggressive, and the guy's good looking too. I say that with with all reservation. The guy's good looking. He's going to go out there. This is a great chance for him to just burst into superstardom. And he's a primary uh, sparring partner of this guy right above my finger here. Our main event fighter. So uh, you know he's getting good rounds, top level rounds. I think that this fight ends inside the distance. That's my play. Inside the distance. I know it's not going to be great value, but inside the distance is a good play here. Because Injekwe does not have a great guard. Uh, great cardio. And yeah. So Tim Elliott, 16 and 11, taking on Jordan Espinoza at 15 and 8. This is a must win fight for Tim Elliott. This is an absolutely must win fight for Tim Elliott. I cannot stress this enough. He has got to win this. Jordan Espinoza is a favorite uh, at a minus 125. Tim Elliott at a plus 105. Over and around is at two and a half. Espinoza, he needs to win this fight. But actually, you know what? This is win or go home. Realistically, if I'm looking, if I'm thinking correctly with Espinoza, and I didn't do a lot of notes on the undercard because I knew that Anik and I were going to talk primarily about the main, right? I knew that we were going to sit there for forever. But if you're looking at a guy like Jordan Espinoza, who has lost three out of his last four with his only win coming over against Mark De La Rosa in that time period, he has got to beat a guy like Tim Elliott, or he is not going to stay on the roster. Tim Elliott, on the other hand, is in desperate need of a win as well. He is at a point now where he has got to turn back the clock. Another guy with one win in his last four fights, right? A loss to Davis and Figueredo, a loss to Askar Askarov, a loss to Brandon Royval, and then a win against Ryan Benoit. He has got to he has got to win this fight. If you go and lose the amount of fights that he's lost, losers going home here. Losers going. It's win or go home for both these guys. I think they know that. Um, flyweight fight, though, I'm not necessarily sold on a finish. Although Tim Elliott, you know, does have some sneaky submissions and can be submitted as well. I don't think Espinosa is going to do that. I think he's going to use the speed, stick to the outside, get tactical takedowns toward the end of the round, try to control position, win rounds at the end is what I what I foresee here. Espinosa by decision seems like a viable play as well. All right. Let's keep things moving right along. Just going to breeze through these last few here. Kai Kara France taking on Rogerio Bontorin. Kai Kara France at 21 and 9, taking on Rogerio Bontorin. I really like this fight in the sense that I'm excited to watch it. I don't love it from a matchmaking perspective because I feel like they're unnecessarily pitting two prospects against each other. I don't think that these guys have to fight each other right now. I don't see the need for it. Um, There's plenty of other people out there that they can fight. I don't necessarily love the UFC's new tactic of pitching or pitting prospects against one another. Uh, Kai Car France should win this fight. Uh, Rogerio Bontorn is a heck of a fighter and can definitely get the W, but I really like Kai Car France. He's well-rounded and when he stays in, in the pocket and when he stays in his lane, right. And doesn't get too wild and doesn't get crazy and doesn't fight his opponent's fight and stays disciplined. He is very, very tough to beat and probably a future contender. So at a minus 135 here, this is a great opportunity to get him at a good price. Kai Car France minus one thirty five. That's where I'm leaning. That is where I lean there. 
Joseph Benavidez taking on Asker Askarov. Boy, you know, here's the thing, right? Joey B, 28 and 7, taking on Asker Askarov, who's an absolute killer. Um, Benavidez minus, or I'm sorry, is plus 105, Askarov minus 125, over on rounds at two and a half. I, I think Joey B's done. I'm just I, I can't, I can't sugarcoat that. Um, I think they're giving him a fight that he they think might be winnable for him, but there's nowhere for him to go after this. Even if he wins, a championship is not in the cards for him. So, um, yeah, I just think it's. I think he's done. I think he's done. I think Asker uh, sacrifices Joey B to the MMA gods. I think he sacrifices him to the MMA gods. So, I hate it because uh, I like Megan Olivia. I think Megan Olivia's good people. I think Joseph Benavidez is good people. I don't know them either one, but they seem like nice people. I hate to see that, but uh, an unceremonious end to Joseph Benavidez on Saturday night at the hands of, of the Russian Asker Askarov. All right, Kyler Phillips taking on Song Yadong. Song Yadong is my prospect to watch. I love Song Yadong, and not just because of his name. Man, does he have a great name, but he is such a fun fighter. He hits like a truck. He's got good wrestling. He's got good cardio. He's got everything you want in a fighter. Kyler Phillips, on the other hand, is the Matrix brought to life. Um, he's incredibly creative. He's so fast. This is an amazing fight. This is good matchmaking. Again, pitting two prospects against one another, but it's the right time for this. It's the right time to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, Kyler Phillips is deservedly an underdog here at plus 135. Song Yudong minus 155. I... I think that this this fight is dead to rights. I like Song Yudong. I like him by decision. A lot of people are on Phillips by knockout or Phillips, um, you know, by decision because he's going to win the first two rounds. But man, it's going to be really hard to get Song Yudong out of there. It's going to be really hard, um, you know, to win two rounds against a guy that's going to try to be so bullyish or bullish, if you will, uh, to steal Annex word from him inside that that apex cage. I love Song Yudong here at that price minus one fifty five. I kind of lean the over here. Um, I don't necessarily know that either one of these guys are going to get the other one out of there, but I like the wrestle heavy approach that we're probably going to see out of Song Yudong. I don't think he's going to want to get out there and get in some elite level striking match with a guy like Kyler Phillips. I just don't see it. I don't see it. And then we're right back up to that, that prelim that we kicked off the show with, with Dominic Cruz, Casey Kenny. So that's really it. We, we hit them all. Uh, official plays will be out on Friday after weigh-ins. Um, I'm actually kind of, working on perhaps maybe even putting them out Saturday morning because I'm, I don't know if it's me that was in a cold streak uh, or if it was the mush that's done this to me, but uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to pass blame off on somebody else, but damn it. If all my picks aren't showing up the same as that, uh, as this, this mush that exists out there in the MMA picking landscape. So um, either he's gotten really smart or I've gotten really bad. One of the two, I'm not really sure, but, Plays will be out on Friday. Trey is in the plane right now. He'll be landing at some point. Um, so we'll, we'll get to talk to him uh, this week. I'm sure he'll be super, super mad that Anik invited me on his show for 261, which maybe he won't. Maybe he'll rescind it because considering I just challenged him to a fight too. I really kind of went all out on that one. So you never know. I'll call I'll call Calvin Cater a classy broad and I'll, I'll challenge John Anik to a fight. There's nothing I won't do. You can't stop me. You can only hope to contain me. You knew it was gonna. You knew it was gonna happen. Um, I just the way I am. It's the way I'm cut. So you can follow us on all social media channels: Instagram at PunchlessMMA, Twitter at PunchlessMMA, email us at chat at PunchlessMMA. Small pause in the episode here to say thank you 
to everybody that helped contribute to making this episode possible. Um, all of your comments, all of your shares, everything that you guys do continually to support the show. I say it all the time and I mean it. It's not, it's not hyperbole. I love it. I love you guys. I love the support. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, there's nothing that we don't do on the show. That's not, not really. I mean, we say it's brought to you by the show sponsors, but it's brought to us by you. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting this project. Thank you for tuning in, sharing, liking, buying merchandise, everything that you do. Thank you so much. I look forward to a winning weekend. And if you've got anything, gripes, complaints, whatever, let us know. Uh, we'll be happy to engage in any sort of dialogue necessary, but hopefully you guys are gaining some sort of value out of this. And if you do so, I ask one thing of you, like, subscribe, share, review, any of those things. It's all I need. It's all I want. Um, and then smiling faces and cash and slips. That's it. So I appreciate everybody that tuned in. Thank you so much for making this possible. And uh, I will catch everybody this week on social media and this weekend for the live stream. Oh yeah, real quick. Gosh, I just did a great sign off and I got this live stream this weekend on this channel. We've got us. So we got me, you've got, let's do, let's do a soft commit list here. We've, you've got me, uh, you've got Trey, we've got James and Nate from the strictly MMA podcast. Hopefully some of the boys from the run it back podcast are going to come in. We've got Ryan and D'Lo from Lunch Money Betting. And then I believe Haley Cowan's going to stop in for a little bit. Hot Take Kate's going to stop in. I was putting all the females together. Um, and then we may or may not have one more special guest. And we got giveaways. We got shirts to give away. Strictly MMA's got shirts to give away. Lunch Money Bet's got shirts to give away. We're giving, we're giving away all kinds of stuff this weekend. So be sure to tune in the live stream here. Probably going to be 9 o'clock. Eastern is when we're going to start about an hour before the main card kicks off. Everybody will be here. We're going to watch the fights together and do a fight companion episode. If you're familiar with how Rogan does it, we're going to do the same thing. So um, hope to see you here then. It'll be a lot easier than answering 378 DMs like I did last weekend because I finally kept track because Trey was like, how many DMs do you think you answer on the weekends? 378 is how many I answered last weekend about fights. So um I appreciate all of you, and we're going to do a live stream on Saturday. Thank you so much. See you later. Be good to each other. Adios. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park